watchers in the fourth dimension. You'll end up as a couple of burnt cinders flying around in Spain. Goodbye, Doctor. Thanks for the ride. It was fun, Doctor. Goodbye. Hello and welcome back to Watchers in the Fourth Dimension. I'm Anthony. I'm Don. I'm Julie. And I'm Riley. And this time Riley doesn't have a funny intro. This episode, we are doing our end of season two wrap up. So this has been a season with a lot of change. We started with an almost totally different TARDIS crew to the one we finished with. And the same thing actually goes for the production team as well. Over the course of the season, we've had the Daleks back twice. We've had two traditional historicals and our first pseudo-historical story. We've had some wonderful experimentation, and this has been an interesting season. So, the way we're going to approach this season roundup is through a number of award-style categories, with each member of the cast picking items like favourite moments, etc. Once we've worked our way through those, we'll move on to our final metric counts for the seasons, and in some case, final series metrics. And finally, we'll look at the scoring we've been doing through the last nine episodes. So... We're going to jump straight in on this with a gut reaction to the best and worst stories. So, Riley, let's start with you on uh, favorite and least favorite. Okay, well, I would have to say that, I mean, this is probably going to be a little too obvious, but I would go with the Dalek Invasion of Earth. Maybe I'm calling back to, like, my childhood and remembering how excited I would have been if the Aliens franchise ever came to Earth. Well, they did it <laughs> with Dalek Invasion of Earth, basically. They took a very iconic monster and said wouldn't it be terrifying we brought earth let's do that and the added bonus of susan wrapping up the story so it wasn't just action all the way there was a lot of touching moments and least favorite least favorite and i know it's probably because it's just fresh in my mind and i think it's probably because of the potential that was there i probably have to go with time meddler wow that was unexpected. I know, and I, I feel weird about saying that, but my feelings are that, uh, y- you know, my opinions about what I think other people in this podcast will say was the story they liked the least. Uh, that's a nice way of putting it. But with the time miller, I just felt rather disappointed with the fact that a very good premise I felt went to waste. All right. Uh, Julie, favorite and least favorite. Gut reaction. Uh, this is real hard. Um, so I'm going to go with stuff that I can really talk, really pinpoint as to why it would be good and why it would be bad. So for best story, I'm actually going to go with The Rescue. It was short and to the point. I think it was the appropriate length for the story that they were trying to tell. You had that really great twist of who the villain was because it was kind of that mystery and the you know doctor's trying to solve it and he gets to have that really great moment at the end where he kind of gets to monologue a little bit. It's just him... Versus the one villain, and it's great. And then we get introduced to Vicky. And while I think for Susan, it was just a fault of how they wrote her, Vicky is an improvement on that character because she's a very similar kind of age and where she fits in the crew. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the rescue on the best. And then the worst. This is actually closer than I expected it to be. I'm going to actually, I will go with the web planet. The Space Museum was very, very close to right after that one. But I went with the Web Planet mainly because I think that they stretched it out a little bit more than they did with the Space Museum. And there was the plot 
design that just did not work with me. They kind of, it was just, hey, we're going to make things not work just so that it fits the plot and we want it to go a certain way. And that's the parts of it that I didn't like, not necessarily the special effects. And I don't really think much progressed there. Characters didn't progress all that much. So I'm going to go with that. All right. Done. I have a lot of ores here. Uh, for my best story, also, I think with the last one, I think Julie managed to get both me and Riley at the same time, which is impressive. <laughs> <laughs> so for my best stories, it was either going to be The Chase because it was fun, it was insane, and just overall, my enjoyment level of the serial was high. I literally could not wait to get to the next episode. And the other one that I enjoyed mainly on the strength of the first episode, but I liked a lot of what they did with the rest of it, was the Space Museum, which is why I feel personally attacked by Julie's <laughs> choices. Uh, for the worst, the one I enjoyed the least was probably the Crusade. That doesn't mean it's bad. It just means it hooked me the least. I know everyone else seemed to like it. I can say is probably the actual worst in that it just doesn't really need to be there. I'd probably have to say Planet of Giants. The concept is just a little crazy for a time-traveling show, and it's just, eh, it's just kind of there. Yeah, so it's my turn, and I'm actually going to go in the reverse order because I think it ties into what you said quite nicely, Don. My least favorite is going to be Planet of Giants. I know, again, because I have the data in front of me, it's not the one I scored the lowest, but I think in retrospect, in terms of the one I enjoyed least, Planet of Giants is it. It's slow. The first two episodes were almost painful to watch at times. Picks up in the third episode, which makes sense because it's two in one, so it's been condensed down. But overall, I'd say of everything we've watched it's the one I'm going to be the least likely to watch again anytime soon and as for my favorite again I know it's not the one I scored the best but I'm also going to go with the chase just on the grounds of as I said in the roundup on that story I know it's trash I know it is not particularly intelligent tv but by god it's fun it's not art but it's enjoyable exactly so that's what I'm going with but you didn't expect me to agree with you, Don. I did not. And Riley, are you happy that Web Planet only got mentioned once in Worst? I'm, I'm <laughs> rather surprised. I, uh, I, I think it's, I think it's kind of like being a dead horse. So I guess that's why everyone kind of <laughs> gave it a pass this this go around. Fair enough. All right. Next up, we have best and worst moment of the season. Riley, anything that made you particularly punch your fist in the air or go, oh dear God, make this stop? Absolutely. Sorry, I'm going for like the obvious ones, but it's just that's why they're obvious because they're memorable. And that is Barbara and Ian getting back to London. I mean, it was just to see them very, it, it seems like what I find really interesting about it. I mean, not only is it just really happy and then there's that interesting still shot montage they do that like I mentioned before. It was very like late 60s style uh, for film. You mean their engagement photos? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Ably directed by Dougie Camfield. Yeah, I, I feel like if you if we were to like go back to the very beginning, you can really clearly see that at the beginning they were just kind of work buddies. And then when they come back to London, they are obviously something much, much more. I'm always very happy about a story of people that seem to be lost somehow making it back home. I, I'm always a sucker for that. In regards to worst, uh, <laughs> and I'm only saying this because I'm not saying that I dislike the, the cereal. I really, really enjoyed it. But I've, I've got to think about Alabama Man <laughs> on top of the Empire State Building. <laughs> I mean, 
it's one of those things that's the classic scene about how jokes go in which, okay, if you do a joke once, okay, it's funny. You do it twice and then diminishes. You do it three times and you're like, okay, stop. And then maybe if you keep doing it enough, it gets so absurdist that it then becomes funny again and then it trails off again. I feel like it either didn't go far enough, which would probably be a little too abstract humor for the time. It just hit firmly in that, okay, please just stop. Just stop, please. And yeah, that, that was it. That's just felt like it just went on way too long. So that's got to be my worst moment, which going around, that's not too bad. It didn't destroy the cereal. It was just kind of one of those things like, all right, let's wrap this up. So that's one choice for Morton Dill, I think was the character's name. It's always Alabama man to me. That makes sense. Julie, best and worst moments. So actually, I'm doing something similar because my favorite moment was actually probably in the space museum. And that was when the doctor is going up against, oh gosh, what was his name? Daco, I think it was his name. No, I, I think you're thinking Daco. Daco, sorry. Wait, was it Daco? It was whoever that gentleman was, and they're sitting there, and he's trying to like read some of the doctor's mind, and the doctor is thinking of the most outrageous things, and it pops up on that green, and the doctor is just, he's just having a ball, and I just really enjoy watching the doctor just mess with people, and I think that was probably, of all of these serials, that was probably the one that, that did that the most. That, that was a moment that felt the most like a modern doctor that we had seen so far. Lobos was the character's name. Oh, Lobos, sorry. Wrong one. I can't keep track of all the names. Let's be real. Okay, so worst moment, I will probably go with, while I really enjoyed the Romans, they might have gone a step too far with with Nero chasing uh, Barbara around and maybe kind of went a little bit too far into the uh, sexual harassment area. Not quite as bad as what happened in the Keys of Marinus from last season, but it was it was cutting it real close. Alright, so I've got you down for Nero's Me Too moment. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Don. Okay, my runner up moment is Barbara's Destruction Derby from the oh. Dark Invasion of Earth. <laughs> yes. Because that was just awesome and made me really happy. My main best moment is very similar because it's something I never thought I would see in my life which is Frankenstein's monster body slamming a Dalek in the chase. That's a good one. Just so beautifully absurd and crazy and just thinking about it brings a smile to my face. My worst moment was a little bit more difficult and I hate to pick on it which it seems like I'm doing but I'm gonna go back to Planet of Giants. We're always like, oh, I thought it was going to be Web Planet. No, it's Planet of Giants when Barbara has her stiff upper lip moment where she won't tell anyone that she's been poisoned. <laughs> and I just, I didn't like that. It seemed out of character for her and was just questionable writing. I was half expecting you to nominate the entirety of the crusade. It's one of those things I didn't enjoy it, but that's okay. It's quality for what it is, but to me, it's not very good Doctor Who. That's fair. So... For me, I think my favorite moment at the end of the day, I'm going to go with the Doctor giggling at the knowledge that he has inspired Nero to burn down Rome. For me, that is just peak First Doctor. He's finally moved out of the grumpy, cantankerous version that we saw at the beginning of the show, and he's become that very charming grandfather who's slightly mischievous. 
I think for me that ju- that moment is just very much this is who the Doctor is. I like that you describe burning down an entire city as being slightly mischievous. I mean, he didn't actually do it, so maybe it was Semantics. Yeah, anyway, for worst moment, I am going to pick, pick on the web planet. I'm sorry, Riley, but... That's okay. The whole zabi e <laughs> for me, that is... Uh, I, I actually didn't hate the web planets. I think I said that at the time, but for me, that was just so painful. And yeah, it, it just seemed where the entire story devolved from this wonderful experimental story into I don't know what the hell I'm watching. So for me, that's it. All right. Next up, we have the best lead actor. And by lead actor, we are referring to any of the series regulars. So this can be William Hartnell, William Russell, Jacqueline Hill, Carol Ann Ford, Maureen O'Brien, or Peter Purvis. And we'll just keep going in the same order. So Riley, we will start with you. You know, I'm going to say my boy, William Russell. But I was just thinking about his character from the very, very beginning. And... There's times in the first season where Ian seems so very um, classic square-jawed, trying to be the hero kind of character, and it just seems like there's a lot more subtlety and a lot more like sensitivity and understanding in him in the second season, and I just think that for the time period, that was rather interesting to see, and also, I want to make sure that he got at least one vote out of us four, because I have a feeling I know where the rest of you are going to go with your vote. Fair enough. Julie? Yeah, uh, so Riley, I think you might be wrong, because I was giving this some thought, especially since this is specifically for season two, and so I'm actually going to go with Maureen O'Brien on this one, and reasons being is you could tell that they started to lessen the screen time and the impact to the plot that Barbara and Ian had as they were trying to build up Vicky's character, and then as they start contrast to Susan's character... Vicky being essentially her replacement, and she nails it. She's wonderful. She still has moments of where she's, you know, she screams a little bit, but it's not the over dramatic that that Susan has done. She has the "Hey, you should listen to Vicky" moments all over the place, and and she does it superbly. And then her chemistry with William Hartnell is probably one of the better companion things that I've seen. So. I'm going to go with her. All right. Don? Oh, it's totally Marine. There's not even any question. I mean, if you watch her and we have, she's she's basically the template for every young female companion that's going to show up within the next 50 years. They're all going to take some aspect of her personality. Any of the modern companions, I, I can even see a little bit of Ace reflected in her when she had her Viva La Revolution moment. She's incredible. And it's, it's one of the things I'm not happy about looking into season three is her departure. Right. All right, and then from my perspective, I'm actually going to nominate William Hartnell for this. So the Doctor wasn't always necessarily particularly likable in the first season. But again, when I was talking about him giggling at the notion that he might have helped Rome burn or helped inspire that incident, this is kind of the character transformation we've seen from the Doctor through this season. It started in season one, but here we really see him come into his own as a character that we are meant to love and meant to actually look up to rather than someone we're meant to be suspicious of. And he has played that transition brilliantly, particularly once Susan leaves. So for that reason, I'm arguing for William Hartnell. 
next up we are going to if we can actually think of the names of any of the actors otherwise the guy or woman who played (laughs) x counts as the nomination so uh best supporting actor i like that guy that played that thing in that one episode that was great riley we'll start with you again I kind of went back and forth on this. I really enjoyed Julian Glover and Jean Marsh in The Crusade. And if I have to choose this one, I'm going to go with Jean Marsh because I feel like she, as as Lady Joanna, she didn't have much to do until she had that big monologue, that just, just, just that big telling off scene. And I just remember being so struck by it and thought it was just so well done and just so well delivered. And I just really liked it a lot. And maybe I have like a soft spot because both her and Julian Glover went on to do many a film that an 80s child would appreciate like Willow and Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. But I'm going to go with her. All right, Julie. This one's rather difficult, not gonna lie. I'm actually gonna go with Edith in The Time Meddler. I really loved her interactions with the doctor. He got some good information from her, but it was just done in such a really great way. It kind of reminded me a little bit of the Aztec and that relationship he had with that woman, but it was just nice to see him interacting with someone who wasn't a TARDIS crew member and it just being a nice conversation. And she also then, even after she got raped by Vikings, which is unfortunate, but then she like came back and like helped the TARDIS crew out and she's like untied them and helped them. So it's just like, I, I just enjoyed her character. It was a nice break from the other events that were happening in that episode. Right. And I see where you're coming from on that. Done. You know, despite my feelings on the episode, it's got to be Julian Glover. Even when I wasn't really digging the episode of the story, he's always such an amazing actor. It was okay. And he just really ruled the roost in that story. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's an incredible actor. So, yeah. I don't want to sound like one of those, the, the stereotype of like the hammy film producer, like, you've got it, kid. Or that agent, but there's something about Julian Glover. Like maybe it's just he's he seems like a very tall, statured man. He just there's a lot of physical acting. He really does seem like he's a person who's a king, you know. He just without even having to say anything. He has gravitas. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. It comes through. All right, and from my side, I would like to uh, nominate Peter Purvis as Morton Dill, the Alabama man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you. No, just kidding. Um, For me, it's Peter Butterworth, the meddling monk. You know, he was such a wonderful foil for the Doctor, and I think he played that role so brilliantly. He played it with such joy and glee, and he brought humour, but he also brought menace. And for me, he really, really worked in that role. So that's what I'm going with. All right, so that brings us on to best and worst villain. For the benefit of everyone, uh, including those of you who are listening, I'm going to go through with the options. So from Planet of Giants, we have Forrester. We have two instances of the Daleks, Daleks Invasion of Earth and the Chase. We have Bennett slash Coquillian from The Rescue. We have Nero and Popeye from The Romans, although it's questionable as to whether they're truly villains. The Zabi and their controller, the Animus from The Web Planet. Elakir and Safadin from The Crusade. Lobos and the Morrocks from The Space Museum. And the meddling monk from the Time Meddler. Riley, best and worst, please. Best? Uh, absolutely the Animus. I just, I love the concept. I like the design. It's creepy. The creepy voice acting. The, I mean, the idea of like this 
menacing kind of like parasitic weed-like invading force that just lands on a planet and just has just a cold there's no i guess there is some negotiating (laughs) with it (laughs) just a little bit but it just wants to conquer and that's just kind of a frightening thing and it's not doing anything out of a emotion and i don't know i found it very creepy and i I like the concept and and i I just and also the creature design just the large set it's just i don't know i liked it a lot it's one of my favorite things about the web planet in general all right and worst oh everybody's downtrodden white collar worker lobos sitting in there trying so hard shipped out to some edge of the galaxy his hernia is acting up and his sciatica he's he's just like i said i, I it's, it's hard to i mean you want to make your villain relatable i guess in order to make them more interesting but you don't want to make them just generic i i wouldn't say generic i would say dull dull and yeah you don't want them to remind you of your of your coworker or neighbor they, they need to be a bit more interesting than that so fair enough and that makes complete sense julie so my what i think was the best is coquillion part of it is just i like how they played that in that serial i love the costume actually i think it's wonderful i love the fact that it's just some sort of ceremonial garb in the end and that just leaves me with a lot of questions and again, the doctor got to have that really great monologue banter with him during that serial. So I really enjoyed that. And my least favorite is Forrester, who was just uninteresting, stereotypical. I want to make a lot of money. Anyone who stands in my way, I'm going to shoot them. Can't get behind that. Sorry. Yep, that's fair. Done. I can't believe I'm about to say this. I agree with Riley. I have to go with Agnes. Yes! <laughs> yes! And... <laughs> It's mainly because of my second pick for Best Supporting Actor, which was Catherine Fleming as the voice of the Animus. She had this incredibly calm creepiness to her that made it much more effective than, say, the Daleks who were always just running around screaming. She never had to raise her voice, and it was so effective. And I did like the design. I liked the concept a lot. To me, it I really liked it. I would like to see more bits of weirdness like that and for the worst yeah it's forrester he's stupid if, if you <laughs> if you accidentally destroy the planet you're not gonna make any more money dumbass <laughs> <laughs> perfect all right so over to me and i'm actually going to go with the best villain as being ella Kier in the crusade just because he's the one who really just seemed like a genuinely nasty piece of work to me there was nothing good about him he was just malicious menacing he wanted to do bad things just because he could and for me he's the one that i felt through the entire season was just genuinely the biggest threat to everyone in terms of the worst villain count me in as vote number three for Forrester. <laughs> I don't feel yes. like I need to reiterate the reasons that Don <laughs> and Julie have just given. <laughs> yeah, he's just not good. His plan's bad. All right, so next up, we are going for best and worst director. The options here are Mervyn Pinfield, who did Planet of Giants 1 and 2 and the Space Museum, Richard Martin for the Dalek Invasion of Earth, the Web Planet and the Chase, Christopher Barry for the Rescue and the Romans, and Douglas Camfield for Planet of Giants Episode 3, The Crusade and the Time Meddler. And I will say before we get started, for a season so long, nine stories, it's unusual that we have comparatively few directors. That's not something we're really going to see a lot of. So four directors for nine stories and we will start with you, Riley. I had thought about that. And so 
what I decided to do is that because there's so few directors, I wanted to not just select the director, but also select the serial that I specifically thought was the best directed. Okay. So I know, <laughs> I know no one's going to follow me on this one, <laughs> but it's, it's Richard Martin in the web planet. And the reason why, and, and it's this, my same go-to argument is that yes, his reach exceeded his grasp, I believe is the expression. But to attempt that, I mean, imagine getting that script as a director and you're told like, what? I have to make this and I have two weeks to do it? I mean, and he did his best, I assume. And and there were still moments that at times where it had a very fevered dream, took too much Robotussin kind of feel to it that was really otherworldly. And yes, there's moments, I think at least once, where a Zarbi hits the camera, but that's not the only episode in early Doctor Who where the camera gets knocked a bit. So to me, I just think that like just taking that on and having it kind of come together and work, I, I have to pick him. I just, I'm just a sucker for, for these people that try these outrageous things. And I don't know, that's, that's, that's for best director. For worst, I thought about that and I'm going with Douglas Camfield uh, for the Time Meddler. And the reason why, and I know I seem to be coming down the time meddler a lot i think my problem with it is that i'm always going to favor the more sci-fi non-historical episodes but when i think about the romans or the crusade i i think those looked gorgeous they looked great but a time meddler i i just feel like even the monastery itself seemed really claustrophobic you don't really get a good sense of space there and I feel like other episodes, like the Romans had that wonderful, like outdoor scenes and even the outdoor scenes here and Time Miller look kind of rough. So those are my choices. All right, Julie. All right. I'm taking a slightly different approach. I'm going to actually include all the serials. So my favorite, I'm going to choose Christopher Barry. And some of that is, I mean, it does help that the rescue and the Romans were my favorite, but there are some very specific things that I think they did a great job of as I keep alluding back to in the rescue when we have our monologue moments with the doctor and Coquillian just how they filmed inside that space in that cavern we'll call it and the fight scenes in there and everything like that everything seemed to work it gelled really well and so that was great and then in the Romans we had the wonderful visuals of going back and forth between the different characters they never run into each other they it's so close that they almost see each other and I think visually they did a really good job of of showing that and as my least favorite i'm going to choose mervyn pinfield the pacing of planet of the giants one and two was just god awful and incredibly slow and yes some of the visuals were really phenomenal but it's not just that there's some other aspects to it that maybe some things needed to get cut along the way or some other things and then with the space museum that one being one of my least favorites but then two just a lot of the fight scenes and things like that were not as great there and then it just was not intriguing overall so that's what happened there all right don i was originally gonna say richard martin just because of the amusement i've gotten from your absolute hatred for him Anthony. and then <laughs> riley totally called my bluff by using him as a serious choice <laughs> <laughs> So once again, I'm going to be standing in contrast to Julie in that my favorite probably was Mervyn Pinfield, not for Planet <laughs> of Giants, obviously, but simply for the first episode of the Space Museum. 
the first episode, I thought it took a lot of stuff that I'm sure looked really weird on the page in the script and made it very visual and effective. I try to keep in mind he didn't write it, he just had to direct it. From the worst, yeah, it's probably Richard Barton. Just because of his use of the studio, he does really well if he has scenes outside. But as Riley even said while proclaiming him the best, his reach does exceed his grasp. I think that's fair. So... Again, I'm, I'm going to reverse this for, for me. I'm going to start with worst. It's not going to be any surprise to anyone. It's Richard Martin. <laughs> Actually, I can't believe long. you can't call you don't call him Dick Martin. <laughs> <laughs> Little Dicky Martin in his director's chair. Uh so I actually beyond just the general incompetence that I keep complaining about, Zarbies running into the camera, Daleks appearing on screen before they've arrived on a planet, that kind of thing. The generally shaky studio work. But additionally, I don't think we mentioned this in the episodes as we went through them, but he went massively, massively over budget every single time. To the point where poor Mervyn Pinfield and poor Dougie Camfield had to basically make up for it with the stories that they directed in terms of the Space Museum. And they did a phenomenal job. Hey, hey, man, Monop- Monoptras are flying around are not cheap, okay? <laughs> Neither is whatever he did with them. <laughs> so for those reasons, I mean, I-, I think I've made my feelings about him clear through the last few episodes, but for those reasons, he is my choice for worst director. I think best director is going to be Dougie Camfield. Not so much for Planet of Giants, but for the Crusade and the Time Meddler. I thought in general, the Time Meddler was very well done, particularly when you know that it was produced on the lowest budget of the entire season. I think he did wonders with that and in terms of the casting that was from my understanding mostly his decision. I think he worked miracles with that story and then the crusade. You know you think about the people he had to direct in that Julian Glover, Gene Marsh. Julian Glover was a bit of a name by this stage already he'd just come off from doing the RSC and you can tell the reverence everyone has for him but Dougie Canfield did a great job in working around or working that into it and basically making a Cod Shakespeare piece out of it. I think it was just magnificent. So the last of our awards is the best and worst composer. So our options here are Dudley Simpson, who composed for three, so Planet of Giants, The Crusade, and The Chase, Francis Chagrin for The Dalek Invasion of Earth, Tristan Carey for The Rescue, and Raymond Jones for The Romans. And this time, we will start with Julie. All right. My favorite for this one is probably going to be Raymond Jones. I was thinking about Dudley Simpson, but the problem was is that there were pieces that happened in Planet of Giants that just really did not work for me. And the Crusade and the Chase could just not bring that back up. But the Romans was delightful. It was a lot more lighthearted than a lot of these other serials. And so we got a lot more of that playful music, which I'm actually a really big fan of. And so that's why I'm going with that. And then the worst is probably Tristram Carey with The Rescue. I had some serious problems with that one. There was a lot of things that didn't make sense. Trying to make timing work for when Sandy is screaming in the cave with the music and it just did not line up and it it just didn't work we might be unfair on including him because they did just reuse the music he'd done for the daleks in season one but he's still credited (laughs) but he still wrote it he still wrote it and i would probably argue that okay maybe not him but the editors who 
the sound editors would be at fault then. We should maybe consider not just because oftentimes stock music is used, maybe we should consider the use of music in an episode instead of specifically a composer. If you want to choose stock music, you can do that for the Space Museum or the Web Planet. So Riley, we'll, we'll go to you next on this one. Okay, I'm going to do worst first and best last. Worst, I, I will have to agree with Julie. I mean, it's um, seemed off point. I, I feel like maybe the problem with Tristan Carey uh, and The Rescue is that the one, when you only have two episodes of a serial, it's kind of hard to develop a theme, develop cues that will carry on through. And I know, like you said, it was reusing previous work, but it just, I, I just remember moments where just things didn't seem to line up correctly. But what I will say is that I'm very excited to talk about the best composer, which I don't think everyone's going to agree with, but it's Dudley Simpson for that swinging jazz music for the chase. <laughs> Because let me tell you, that had some really cool hip beats, Daddy-O. I loved it. I mean, to me, it's very striking and memorable. And I feel like the idea was, as we've talked about the chase before, there are certain elements of that serial which are done purely comedically. Even on the ship where we literally see people jumping off to their deaths is played comedically. So I feel like tonally they were trying to make it just like a silly kind of fun and humorous romp throughout different times even though it didn't come across that way and i feel like that's why the music was written that way so i feel like they probably told him hey you know this is going to be kind of silly and fun but they're chasing around time and it's got a little bit of a lost in space theme song which was written by john williams kind of feel to it so i thought it was striking and that's why i liked it <laughs> Fair. all right done I didn't pick a best because this season I took just terrible, terrible notes and couldn't find any where I had actually commented on the quality of the music, except for the worst, which was Dudley Simpson in The Chase (laughs) (laughs) for his random, unnecessary jazz interludes, which I am not grading the quality of said compositions, however, the appropriateness for me was just not there. It just didn't, didn't really work. It was... It was like if they just, let's throw in some Gregorian chant to underlay a comedy beat. It just didn't work for me. Gregorian chant could have been used in the time meddler, though. It could have. Probably should have. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm with Julie on Best Composer for all of the same reasons. It's, It's Raymond Jones for me. I mean, I think I made my love of the Romans clear when we did it. And a big part of that's the music. So Raymond Jones is my nomination for Best. And for Worst... I really hate to say it because I know how good he is in other stories in the future, but for exactly the same reasons as Don, I'm going with Dudley Simpson here. The music for The Chase was just so questionable at times, and yeah. Yep. Yeah. That brings us to the end of our awards. So next up, we have our final metric counts. So we started off the season with the Susan Freakout count, the Ian Murder count, and the Camp count. And by the end of the season, we added the Barbara Murder count and the Vicky Pet name count to that. So I know we did this at the end of Dalek Invasion of Earth, but in season two, the Susan Freakout count was 11 (laughs) across the two stories. So... (laughs) That's pretty impressive. That is slightly over one free count per episode, which brings her total series count and final for now count up to fifty-five. And you said it was and you said it was eleven for Dalek Invasion of the Earth. Well, Planet of Giants and Dalek Invasion of Earth. So across those nine episodes, she freaks out eleven times. All right, the Ian Murder count. 
he actually only murdered two this season, both in the Dalek Invasion of Earth. So on top of the five that are carried over from season one, that gives us a total series count for the Ian murder count of seven. That's respectable. Yeah. We, partway through the season, added the Barbara murder count to this, and on our Facebook page, friend of the podcast John Thomas Casey uh, actually told us we'd forgotten about some Barbara murders in season one, where she murdered the three brains in a jar in the uh, Keys of Marinus. So we counted her as killing eight Daleks with Don's beloved destruction derby in the Dalek Invasion of Earth. Add to that killing off Sandy in the rescue and the Animus in the web planet, she has a season two murder count of eight, bringing her total series count up to 11. So she actually is a bit more bloodthirsty than Ian. Nice. But six of those are Daleks. So... That's fair. Yeah. 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 I mean, Daleks are harder to kill. They are. Mm -hmm. The Vicky pet name count, she names two alien creatures over the course of the season, both in the rescue and the web planet. So that's her total. And then finally, the camp count. We ended season one with a count of seven. We add 13 to that for season two, (laughs) 10 of which come from the web planet because we just decided the entire story was camp and we were going to cap out at 10. Which brings us to a total count so far, seasons one and two of 20. Oh, boy. Any big surprises there, guys? No. <laughs> nope. nope. And so finally, do you guys want to hear how you actually scored things? Yes. No, thanks. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Don, you're no fun. Don't ask questions if you don't like the answers. So, Don, for that, I'm going to do you first. Kinky. <laughs> So the two you actually ranked the highest were the Dalek Invasion of Earth and the Chase. You gave both of those nine points each. The Space Museum, which you named as one of your co-favorites, was a little bit behind at 8.5. And your least favorite was the Chase at a lowly five points. And you had a season two average of 7.56. Wow. I'm surprised the Chase was so low. The Chase? Yeah. You said the Chase. I think you meant the Crusade. You meant the Crusade. I did mean the Crusade. Ah, there we go. My apologies. There we go. Okay. Julie. Yes? Next, your top scoring story was the Dalek Invasion of Earth, 8.5. You had a tie for lowest score of Planet of Giants and the Web Planet, both of which you gave five points. You actually only gave the rescue six points, which was technically your third lowest rated story of the season. Wow, I'm surprised. Yeah, I think just looking at this in retrospect, having been able to see how everything pans out across, paints certain stories maybe in a better light than we saw them at the time. It's true. Riley? Yes? Oh, wait, hang on. Julie, before I go to Riley, your season two average was 6.78, so you actually had the lowest average of all of us. I have high expectations. (laughs) Don, I didn't mention it. You have the highest average. I apparently have pretty low expectations. (laughs) (laughs) Just play the theme song and I'm good. Riley, your highest scoring story was The Web Planet with nine points. Yes! And uh, (laughs) you named Dalek Invasion of Earth. That was actually just behind with eight points, as were the Romans in the chase. I'm glad to see them being consistent in my best ofs then. Your lowest rated were The Space Museum and Planet of Giants at six points each. Yeah. 
the one you mentioned as your least favorite earlier, the Time Meddler, was actually just half a point above at 6.5. Yeah, I've, I had that pretty low. I think looking back at it, as we said, like we were looking at these things after time, Planet of the Giants, when I think about it, I just enjoy the visuals of here's our TARDIS crew, large things. But when I think of the Time Meddler, I just think of sloppy scenes with things that could look better. Yep. Just, I think, I think of the visuals. So you had a season average of 7.44. Which puts me in comparison to everyone else. Number two. Don's the highest, you're the second one, Julie's the lowest. Clearly we're the optimists of the group. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. And that brings us on to me as the last one. My highest ranked one was the Romans, which I gave nine points. And my lowest was the Space Museum at six points. Conversely, I mentioned earlier my uh, my two choices, favorite and least favorite, were actually the Chase and Planet of Giants. So not really aligning with how the data actually comes out and how I voted during the season, but that's that. And that gives me a season two average of seven Point three nine. So most of us are relatively close within about 15-ish or 0.15 points, except for Julie, yeah, who is yeah, uh, yeah. quite far behind. However, <laughs> however, we did all prefer season two to season one based on our voting. All of us had higher average scores. Nothing scored nearly as low as in season one. Over the course of that season, Don, myself, and Riley gave stories threes, and Julie, you gave a four as your lowest score, and none of us plummeted below five at any point here. Wow, we were vicious back then. Well, it was the censor rights, so it deserved it. Ooh. (laughs) Riley Baton. What's really interesting to me, what you said, was that the Space Museum... I thought that looking back at that episode, we really enjoyed the first two episodes of that serial. And then apparently it fell off a cliff for all of us. Or maybe it was just me that enjoyed the first two episodes, but then I felt like it just dropped off. I enjoyed the first episode. Okay. And then the one moment with the doctor. Julie, for you, the Space Museum is smack in the middle of your scorings. I'm not surprised. And for Don, it's top half. So it's really just you and me, Riley, that slated it. Anyway, putting together all of our scores, the highest average story was the Dalek Invasion of Earth, which collectively came to an 8.5. So we all like that one. And the least favorite was Planet of Giants at 6.25. So that sucked. <laughs> <laughs> And we had a a season two overall average of 7.29. So now that we have cured everyone's insomnia with some wonderful (laughs) mathematics. I'm not sure whether Don is growling or snoring. Uh, what? What? We shall do it. That basically wraps up season two for us, unless anyone has anything else they would like to add. I think that we should make sure that any Steven Taylor fans out there, it's not that we don't like Steven, it's just we barely just got to meet him, and we will talk about him more later. We will. So we won't quite be moving into season three next episode, but when we do, we will be into heavy missing episode territory. So that's going to be interesting to see what everyone thinks as we start to handle that for the next basically two seasons it's it's gonna be rough and some of the existing stories in season three are ones that i'd rather replace with something else honestly but if i could give those back and get something missing in return please i would happily make that exchange (laughs) but we'll we'll get there when we get there that completes our season two wrap-up we will be back next time not with the start of season three but with a special episode where we will be discussing the first peter cushing movie doctor who and the daleks in the meantime our previous episodes are all available on your favorite podcasting app you can interact with us as always on facebook instagram and twitter at watches 4d or by email at watches 4d at gmail.com but for now as always thank you very much for listening and have a good one 
You have been listening to Watchers in the Fourth Dimension with Don Smith, Julie Philippek, Riley Shrek, and myself, Anthony Williams. This episode, Random Unnecessary Jazz Interludes, was recorded on Wednesday the 14th of August 2019. And always remember, if you ever go on to become a director on Doctor Who, you too could one day be nominated by us for the prestigious Richard Martin Award for Worst Director. 